This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm. Welcome to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler, and thank you for showing up this episode. On this episode, we have Elizabeth, who is a narcissist abuse survivor, and I will get to her story in a second. But first, let me just say that narcissism is a character trait that exists on a spectrum. A small amount of narcissism is healthy, and a person with an unhealthy level of narcissism may be called a narcissist. For, a per- for the purposes of this podcast, a person who exhibits narcissistic traits and or a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors, regardless of whether they meet the diagnostic criterion or have a formal diagnosis, can be referred to as a narcissist. A person may be referred to as a narcissist on this podcast also if it is more likely that they have another cluster B personality disorder, such as borderline, histrionic, or antisocial personality disorder, so as long as they exhibit narcissistic traits or behaviors. And also for this episode, there is a trigger warning for strong language in some instances during our conversation. And the conversation with Elizabeth is, you know, about uh, dating a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, There's a lot of stuff about suffering in silence on this episode. Shame, validation, love addiction, financial abuse. And, uh, of course, when you're dealing in these situations, the uh, uh, eventually the discard. And this is an emotional episode. You may, you may cry in this episode. Um, you know, you may get angry or, or sad. This is, there's some charged up energy in this episode. And I really want to thank Elizabeth for being part of it and for being strong and brave enough to tell her story today. So now, without further ado, uh, I'm just going to... Start this conversation with Elizabeth. So thanks to everyone who's tuned in for this episode. Uh, With me, I have Elizabeth. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. So thank you for coming on to our show. I know uh, a good chunk of your story, not everything about your story. And for everyone uh, that is listening, uh, this is a very uh, interesting story. Uh, so stay t- uh, tuned to the end. And now I'm just going to get out of uh, my own way and your way, as I always say, and the floor is yours. Thank you. Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's like Mr. Toad's wild ride. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a college educated person. Um, I have never had a problem getting relationships. I have always been incredibly um, confident, and I ended up in a relationship with a person that, believe it or not, we actually, as weird as it sounds, we connected on Facebook because we had a friend in common. Uh, This woman was a Broadway producer uh, here in New York City. And unbeknownst to me, of course, we get that little, you know, that thing that pops up and, you know, you share a friend in common and I have her in such high regard that I ended up connecting with this person. Um, Months and months went by and somebody would make a posting and I would make a comment and just completely innocent. 
And one day this person reached out to me and I didn't think it was weird because we, we shared somebody in common and it was the beginning of an absolute nightmare. I invited the devil into my life and I had absolutely no idea. Um, this was a person that was, that is, I'm going to say semi-famous, played professional football, completely abused their accomplishments, which really stoked the flames. And again, this is everything I learned only up until the end. Um, but without going into, you know, like laboring along to make a long story short, that, that famous quote, um, this person was educated, absolutely handsome, um, approachable, funny, interesting, and he was a narcissistic sociopath. He turned my life upside down. Um, we got along great. We would laugh and have fun. And, oh, my God, I shared things with him because I was so comfortable. The biggest, everything I could have done wrong, I did wrong. Um, I know that there were things, little things would pop up, but he was so manipulative, you know. He was so good at what he did that I couldn't, I couldn't wrap myself around the fact that somebody was that screwed up like that twisted and he was really twisted. Um, it took two years. We were in a relationship. Um, he lied about, I look back now and I was literally on a mental vacation. There was really something wrong with me that I just completely checked out, but they give you, um, that sense of, uh, but, but this is a great person. Oh my God, we get along great. He's really funny. And I have to say, there were things that he taught me about life, about work, about people that really truly made sense that I carry with me every day. And that's the worst part. What, because what, what were those things? Uh, a, a business about people, about business, about who I was. I was really good at my job. I'm in the hotel business. Um, he really would say things, and I'm like, holy shit, he's really right. Um, so it was almost like two different people. He would, he would talk about something and put things in perspective, and yet he was crazy and, and, and twisted and like completely off the rails. But the hardest part of that is he always echoes in the back of my mind because I learned, I learned some things from him that I would never have learned because he was smart, because he was a business person, but, um, he was destructive. He was manipulative. He was destructive. And I think, you know, I had always, since I was 15, I had a boyfriend and this is not the usual relationship of breaking up. It, it, how I managed it and how I got through it and what I've tried to share with people, this is a death. It is a loss. The man I knew never existed. It was all a lie. He used me. There were other women. 
I think he probably had about three or four all on the side. Everybody was on the side. He was constantly volleying back and forth. And he literally, his life must be exhausting because it's always on the run. And the minute you see through them, it starts to break down. They drop you like it's hot because you see them. They don't want to see themselves. And when you see them, that's when they drop you and they move on because the, the new people don't see them. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it just, it's, they're always on the run, always on the run. And when they manipulate you, I think it's like you just don't know. You can be ma- manipulated for a month, a year, two years, four years. He could have somebody in his life that he's been manipulating for five years. I don't know. Um, but the, the, you don't get closure. So my relationship, as, as crazy as it was, in the end, when it was over, and this was a year ago, last month, he disappeared, and I was devastated. I tried to reach out. He wouldn't get back to me. I didn't understand it. And then everything started to come down. And then I started to put it all together. And I had to educate myself. I had to understand this is what this person was. Um, I had seen red flags. They don't call them that for nothing. But because of who he was, I couldn't believe that he was that poisonous and that toxic. And I think getting through it, and managing, and believe me, it's, you, you stumble, and you, you're, you go through the, the, the stages of death. It's the same thing. It's the loss, the anger. Um, you're happy. There's an elation. It's just you're all over the place. And it is the worst feeling, and it is the worst thing I've been through in my entire life. And it was worse, as weird as the sound, than when my own father passed away a couple of years ago, because I thought this was someone that I was going to spend my life with. Um, and he just, he just died. He died. Yeah, he died. And, and, and that's what I try to share with people is think of your relationship excuse me, and think that he left you, got in the car, was driving to work, and was killed in a car accident. That's literally what I would tell my friends how I got through it, because it didn't exist. The relationship was never real. It was all a lie. All of it, all of it, everything. The intimate details, the things I told him, it was all... Um, what's really interesting about there's covert narcissists and then you've got the narcissistic sociopaths. He literally had a log in his head of things I said, things I did, only to use it against me and manipulate me in the most twisted way. And going forward, it, it just sort of like flash forward, how I, I get through it now is there are days that I still say, what the... F was, what was wrong with me? And it'll come out of nowhere. I'll be walking down the sidewalk and I'll laugh to myself and be like, what, what is wrong with you? It just, it, it's not, it doesn't happen as much, but it still happens to this day. And you, 
you it, there's this you never get closure, and there's this innate survival factor that you want to call them and be like, "See, I'm good. I survived. I don't need you." They don't care. He didn't care about me. If I called him and said I'm in the hospital and they they amputated both my feet, he doesn't care. You you can't get their attention. You can't get their caring because it's not in them. And that's a whole other story, you know, as far as who they are and what happened to them and why they became the way they did. But for anyone who's going through it, you have to claw your way through. I sought help. I went to a therapist because it was too much for me. Um, I didn't share it with my family. My mom liked him. My brother met him. I think the embarrassment, he owes me money. He's got furniture that's mine in the apartment. Um, I, I had to suffer alone out of, for, for, for numerous reasons. And I think that the narcissist knows that. They know we're injured and we suffer in silence. Because I've got like two friends that were literally like, where does he live? You know, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to live with, you know, don't like, what are you going to do to him? You know, you just, they sort of, they're invincible. They're invincible and they're entitled. They're entitled. Was, and, uh, was there, um, I guess, uh, as far as the uh, little breadcrumbs that he left you where you had this empathy for him, was uh, he uh, playing the victim role? And uh, how much did him being uh, famous... Uh, have uh, an impact on what you uh, let uh, slide? Well, it, it had a huge impact. Um, it, it, all of it did, because, first of all, um, they embellish their accomplishments. Um, he played professional football for three years, three or four years. Um, that it, that was because he was good looking, because he had played professional football. Uh, because if you you know if you looked at him on social media, you would be like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. Yeah, it's all a trap. That's the trap. Um, it was setting the trap of their accolades and their accomplishments, no matter how small they are. Um, that was the trap for him. What's very interesting about human nature is a lot of people enjoy and like the fact, and especially with social media, because it's very different. If, if a famous person reacts to a posting or um, something that you say, a, co- a comment, people love that. They feed on that. And for him, it's almost like, you know, psycho overload. He literally is he must be, you know, data mining all day long for all, for, you know, all intents and purposes. He's, he was a predator. He was a predator. And this was the perfect setup for a predator because you don't know. He looks good on paper. He looks like a nice guy. This was a guy who, who had an anti-bullying nonprofit. He would go to schools. He was paid to go to schools and, and talk about bullying when this was a man who called me a bitch, a piece of shit, and I caught him using my credit card by mistake joining a dating website. It, it, it's, it's, it's beyond anything you can comprehend. And in the end, 
you want to shout from the rafters what a loser they are, what how crazy they are, what they did to you. They can manipulate their way out of that. And I chose not to. I just, I know the truth. And I chose to just fade away um, in silence because it didn't matter. And it brings up, you know, people that date famous people that know what they're really like and people come forward. Um, you know, Bill Cosby is a perfect example. It, it, so many people were abused, but they don't come forward because people don't believe them. And when you're with a narcissist, you want people to see, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's crazy. It doesn't matter. Nobody will believe you. We were ensnared. I was a victim. It's no different than me being mugged on the streets of New York City. I was a victim. I was abused psychologically, emotionally, financially. And he will just go through life thinking, not looking around in the apartment going, wow, you know, she paid for all this. He's entitled to it. Narcissists feel they're entitled to everything they have. They will never apologize. They'll never say, look, I'm really sorry for what I did to you. It doesn't happen. In some cases, I heard that, and it was a ploy to get somebody back, and then the cycle started again. Mine didn't do that because of who he was. He had a, um, just a, a treasure trove of, of unsuspecting people. And it's and probably to this day, all these people, they have no idea. They're just, they're no different than I am. And it's really, it's really horrible. So I'm thinking to myself, when I'm out to dinner with him and, ooh, we look good and everything's great. Someone's going, oh, I know him. That poor girl, she has no idea. That's what, that's what someone was probably saying. And I didn't, and I wouldn't have believed it anyway. Mm. No, that's the worst part. Yeah, people uh, who are in the in the trance at the beginning will not yes. that you won't listen. And no. I, I, you know, one of the things that I always that I, that what you said that I find interesting, uh, especially with a gentleman. No, I'm not going to use the word gentleman. Sorry about that. Uh, with the narcissist that you were uh, dating, uh, he was famous or semi-famous. He had a lot of things going for him. So he had this supply that was readily available to him. So when he did discard you and you saw him for what he really was, he didn't come back to you. Whereas I think maybe in other situations when uh, a narcissist might not have the same situation and might not have a backup plan or nothing is uh, maybe only one person and he doesn't, that person might be, you know, uh, fringe at best or not fully in sync with what's going on. You know, maybe that's when the hoovering back that other people experience uh, occurs, but yours was a complete discard. Correct, because he because he had such a supply. Again, if you looked at him, if you went on social media, you would be like, oh, my God, look at this guy. Yeah, a walking nightmare. So his supply was endless. It was endless because it was always somebody going, oh, he played professional football. Oh, he's good-looking. Oh, and he's responding to me. He's liking my posts. Or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's what happens. That's what happens for him. It's literally a kid in a candy store. And I was just, I served my purpose. And, and it is horrible. It is a horrible feeling. It is a horrible feeling. And I have to tell you something. 
I was a model when I was younger. I've never had a problem dating. I I had a successful career, and I took the train to, to visit my mom one day. And I sat on that train, and I thought, how, how am I going to move on? How I can't do this. My life fell apart, and I thought about taking my own life. That's a horrible it's a hor- I'm sorry. It's a horrible feeling. But I couldn't. It was, it's abuse. It is abuse to the worst core. And it's, 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 it's a death. And the only way to get through it is to say, my relationship was real. It was real to me. And he used me. And he took what he could. And I had no idea. And it almost pushed me to the point of taking my own life. Because I thought, how am I going to move forward? But it was all a lie, all of it. And I clawed my way through. And you have to get help, whether it's antidepressant, a psychiatrist. If you don't have the money, call a suicide hotline. You have to get help. This is bigger than a relationship of just like, oh, my God, we didn't get along anymore. We broke up. He dumped me. There's no closure. They literally evaporate. They, they, they evaporate. It's gone. And we are one of many that they've done this to before us and after us. But I have to tell you, it was the darkest, the darkest days. Because this man took everything from me. Everything. Everything. And, and, and they do that to a lot of people. Financial ruin. Uh, manipulation of friends, family, alienation. Um, he didn't alienate me because I had my own life going on. You know, I'm not a kid. But it's, it is tragic and it is devastating. And for anybody who is in it, it is more than you can handle emotionally. And it is, it is PTSD. That is what we suffer from. We have been a victim. As I said, it's no different than a mugging. If somebody punched me in the face and stole my purse, it's the same thing. And every day that I walk out on the street of New York, I look and I think, am I going to see him? That's how much trauma it is. So when all of this happened and it ended, uh, when did you recognize what had gone on and were able to put a name on it? And when that happened, how did your life unfold from there? I think that in the relationship, I thought, man, this, there's something wrong with this guy. And I remember reading about it. I knew what a narcissist was. A narcissistic sociopath, yeah. It sounds like a serial killer. Um, I, I, I had an idea when we were together, but I let it go. Because I couldn't fully understand what the control they had and what they did. And there listen, if you caught them with a dead body, they could talk their way out of it. That's how good they are. So I, he, I thought, oh God, you know, he couldn't, he can't be that bad. So I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't, 
I didn't think it was to that degree because they can talk their way out of it. It's when you have the hard facts. It's the hard facts. And two things happened in the end. I was living in the Cayman Islands at the time for work, and I came home to New York. We had an apartment together at that time. And the things I put in this cabinet were under the sink in like a, like a docket kit, like the shaving kit for men. He took my stuff out so somebody didn't see it. So we had somebody in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And he had used my credit card inadvertently to join a dating site. And he tried to talk his way out of that. That's how, that's how crazy. What, what was his excuse on that? Oh, God, he couldn't. He couldn't. He, well, that's when, it, that's, when he, that's when he ghosted me. Because uh, I caught him. Yeah, so at that point, yeah, the I jig was him. up. I caught him. The mask was off. The jig was up. I caught him on a dating website. And that's generally what a narcissistic sociopath it's 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 very interesting. You can be a different age, a different color, a different race. They have the same mo. And when the mask starts to crack, and you start to question or see things, that's when they they go into a tirade. He would go zero to sixty in one second, in one second, and that's when it all started to come down. And the the website, the dating website was the end. That was the end. And he had ghosted me um, when I, just before I moved back to, to New York City. And it was months. He wouldn't talk to me. And if I talked to him this day, which I don't, if I did, he, he would say, you are so mean to me. Look what you did to me. Literally, that's what he would say. It just—it's all about them, and it's their life, and they're the victim. They're, and I remember saying one time, you know, don't be the victim, and that sent him through the roof because they—they've heard all this shit before. I'm not the first, and I'm not the last. And if again, for anyone who is ensnared in this trap. It's human nature to say, what is wrong with me? How can I do this? The abuse continues because you abuse yourself. You say to yourself, how can I do that? What's wrong with me? I can walk into a room and be like, oh, that guy's cute. Ooh, and, and go up and, and, and probably get his phone number. No, no, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how pretty, how smart, how educated. Nothing matters. We are all victims. We were um, a victim of a predator. I was sought out. He tested the waters with me. We shared a friend. I never told that friend because she may not believe me either. It, it, It didn't matter in the end. So I think in the survival mode, you can't. It's normal to want the world to know how horrible they are. Like I said before, it's normal to want them to know, I survived, look at me, I don't need you, my life is so great. You have to get that out of your system because it doesn't matter to them. We're normal. A normal person would do that. They don't see it like that. Their world is not the world we see. It's like looking at a painting side by side with them and saying, what do you see? 
well, what do you see? It's they don't see life, and that's what I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand that people, and I can't say they're that evil. Um, he is who he is. You have to educate yourself. It was very hard for me because I couldn't find a podcast or information where where it made me feel validated. And that's the, the key. You have to feel validated. We are survivors of abuse, a different form of abuse. And, and that's something you have to get in your head. And I have spoken to many people that have tried, well, he doesn't talk to me. He doesn't do that. No, they don't. And he didn't talk to me. They won't talk to you. Because, because I served my purpose. We served a purpose. They threw us away and they moved on. And like you said, if you don't have that supply, whether you're famous or if you're a musician or, or a professional athlete, if you don't have that supply, sometimes they do come back because they need that. Mine had endless supply. Oh, my God. It was like an all-you-can-eat buffet for him. Oh. And I was left with my life upside down, clawing, clawing my way through. So when you clawed your way through, uh, what, yeah. what was the process, uh, I guess, step by step of how you got to where you are? And how long has it been? And, and uh, how, how did you it's get to where? It's been a year. So, how, uh, so from that point to now, uh, what, what has occurred on, on your healing process? It took, excuse me, it took a year. And... This all this went down in May of last year. Mm-hmm. I kept trying to reach out to him May, June, July. I would go through life literally down the street and it was like a movie. It was like watching myself. There was no my life was black and white. There was no color in my life. There was no love in my life. There was no happiness in my life. I have some great friends. I have an amazing mom. I have a brother who's a pain in my ass, but he's there. I suffered in silence. Um, Every day was heartbreaking. I couldn't talk about him without crying. Um, I reached out. I would try to reach out, try to reach out. That slowly started to dissipate until... December, and I saw him in December, and I was like, look, I don't want to be at odds with you. Now, he owed me money, so I didn't know how I was going to get it. Narcissists don't feel that they pay you back because they, hey, I deserve this. He owed me money. He owed me 12000 actually $15,000, not including some furniture, and I was trying to... I don't know what I was trying to do, but part of me wanted the money. Part of me wanted to see him. And it was before Christmas, and I met him in the city in a restaurant, and everything was fine until I said something he didn't like, and he screamed at me, and he stormed out. And I'm like, wow, this this is mess. This is fucked up. Um, that was in December. We shared a birthday in March. 
And I think, I'm trying to think now. So again, fighting through it, fighting through it. It's an addiction. Like not texting him was like an addiction. It was like, it was like saying, oh my God, I'm not going to drink or something. It was like, uh, yeah, it's horrible. It was horrible. So I kind of like went back. I think I saw him three times in the year. And every time I saw him, it solidified that he was absolutely out of his mind. And, but I wasn't strong enough. So if I saw him, I was, I was stronger. And I'm trying to think now, maybe I even saw him twice. The last time I saw him was I th- in February. That was the last time I saw him. And I knew that he was crazy. And again, it's like you have to go back and back and back until you you can't take it anymore. Uh, And it just, the pain was there. And I think what I was trying to do in seeing him and reaching out was getting that closure or that something. I was looking for something that I was never going to get. And the, and the last time I saw him, that, that second time, I think it was twice, that was the end. And then I'd be good for like a month or two months, and then I would be so pain, in so much pain, I would reach out. I'd be like, hey, you know, I hope you're okay. It was all about me. Am I okay? And I don't know why you do it, but you, you try to reach out to them, Um and it's, I can't say it was the wrong thing because it's what got it, it. It sort of like vesseled me through. It was like it, it, it sort of rode me through how I got through it. Um, but to this day, there isn't a day that goes by and I'm like, oh, what is wrong with you? And then it's a fleeting thought. He was the first thing that I would think about in the morning and the last thing I would think about at night. It was exhausting. And I just, by the grace of God, I, I just, I reached out when I thought I should. I never follow him on social media. I blocked him. He's blocked now. So I know he can't call me. I would go to bed and be like, oh, is he going to call me? And I'd look at my phone and he didn't call me. And it was twice as bad. You have to block them and know that they're not going to call you. It's, it's like coming off of drugs. It literally, I think it must be like withdrawal for a heroin addict because that's, that's what it is. It's an amazing relationship that was fake, that ended abruptly, and you're left standing there going, what was that? Yeah, as I've discussed with other people uh, in other previous episodes, uh, it is a drug. It's, uh, you were given a drug. It's a, like a love addiction type drug at the beginning, yep. and then... Uh, once that drug is in you, then your body uh, craves it. And uh, yeah. if you try to go cold, if you're then given the cold turkey, um, you have withdrawal. And yeah. you, sometimes you need that fix. You try to get that fix. And now, you know, it seemed like you were slowly weaning yourself uh, off of it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Weaning. That's exactly what I was doing. That's exactly what I was doing. And in the and, and what happens with them and the psychology of these nut jobs is it's 
And again, I think it's in varying degrees. The less supply, the more attention they may place on you. Man, this guy, oh, I can't imagine. Hundreds, hundreds. He could have hundreds, for all I know. Um, It was just, that made it even colder, colder, because there was so many people that were ready and willing because they didn't know. I was not impressed with who he was. What impressed me was the fact that he knew my, we, we had the same friend. I thought it was safe. We had the same friend. Same friend in common. Um, it was his philanthropic endeavors. That's what I was like, wow, man, this guy's really, he cares about kids. It's all smoke and mirrors. All of it. All of it. And a lot of, a lot of these people Again, educate yourself, read about it. You have to understand they are, in some situations, they are um, children of a narcissistic parent and or they suffered um, some sort of major trauma. I think this gentleman... um, well, I'm not going to share what I what I truly think, because but but yeah, I think that he was. I think there was some sexual abuse from relatives. He was an only child, working parents. I think there was some major major trauma there, and then the success of who he was, everything just sort of fed into you know he had been after playing football, he had been a model a top model in New York City. Um, I think there was a lot of, um, I think there was a lot of, uh, a lot behind the scenes that I didn't know about. But you don't know. Yeah, like some people, you don't. some people fall in love with the idea of somebody no. and, and not the person. He was also loved the idea of himself in, in a sense. Yes. Yes. He was, it's so funny because he had a tattoo that said, Something, something. It said, "Artist, intellect, athlete." <laughs> really? Yeah. He had a tattoo that said that: "Artist, intellect, athlete." Yeah, you're not an intellect. You're a nut. I can't tell him that. No, it's it's just. Uh, I, I have a question for you. Um, sure. In your healing process and everything that had gone on. Was what was the biggest thing that uh, I guess you once took pleasure in that was taken away from you, and mm-hmm. in, uh, in that process, have you been able to uh, reclaim that, or are you still struggling for uh, with that? I still struggle with that. He was my companion. We would walk into a restaurant, and people would stop and look. We looked great together. We would laugh. We would be sitting there laughing when other people would be having dinner and, you know, proper, and they looked miserable, and we, we, we loved food, and we would be talking about all kinds of stuff, laughing and talking. I never had a problem with him. He was the problem. He created a problem out of nothing. Um, I do not date. I have not dated. I'm getting to a point where it would be nice, but for me, dating backfires because I look around and I'm like, there isn't anyone here I would even 
think about dating nor be attracted to, and then I would think about him. So you have to be very, very careful. For me, I was not ready. I am getting ready. But I have to be honest with myself. It's, it's, it was two years of dating and one year of healing. And I don't think that ever goes away. Now that I'm leaving New York City, which I have an amazing opportunity um, doing something I love to do, I won't be here, and I don't have to look over my shoulder anymore. And I have to tell you something: it is, it's a relief for me. I think you always will carry it with you, and even if I met Mister Wonderful tomorrow, he will always be in the back of my mind because it's. It's, it, it's abuse. I was a victim. I was a victim of someone. And the next wonderful, amazing man that I meet, I will have to share that story. Because you are hesitant. You are very, you're, injured. you're broken. You are broken and injured. And it could take me another year. I don't know. It could take me another month. Um, I, I was trying to fill that void with doing other things and just, you know, not dating or sleeping around, you know, that's, that's something else also have to remember. You can't, they don't care about you. So if they know you have a boyfriend or, or girlfriend, whatever the story is, they don't care. They don't want you back because you're with someone else. Not in my situation because he had a plethora, a bevy of chicks. So it just didn't matter. Um, if you're with someone or was with someone that didn't have a, a supply that was literally endless, you want them to you want them to know you're okay. Like I found someone, I'm good. See, look what you missed. I moved on. It's it's a waste of energy. People will do it anyway, but they don't care. They're not like, oh my god, I can't believe what I did to you. I'm so sorry. Let's make this happen. I'll try again. It just, it, mine didn't do that because there was way too much. There was way too much. So as far as closure goes, which you will never get. Um, no, you uh, never get closure. So if he said to me, I hate you, I don't ever want to see you. I'm in love with someone else. You are just a bitch and burn in hell. That would have been easier than vapor. He vaporized, he disappeared. And that's why... I treated it like a death. The entire relationship in my mind and the man I remember was killed in a car accident, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I never got uh, closure as well. And uh, it's... It is. It really is, the think, the uh, the whole entire process. It's the worst uh, part of it. Uh, Because you just want to have a a final conversation to know what everyone stands or why things happened. Just a just a normal human kind of conversation, Um, and you don't get it. And that is that's when you're very confused about what has happened or why am I being treated in, in that in that way. And then you go searching. And I I had a similar, uh, you know, when you talked about, uh, I guess, 
uh, walking. Or, I think you were talking, I, don't, I'm, I might be misphrasing, uh, but uh, how you're walking and you can kind of see yourself walking or you can watch mm. yourself move throughout the day as if you're not even present in yourself because you're just Correct. always uh, thinking about this. And uh, as you stated before, uh, you're alone in it because even when you try to, ex- it was, I never explained to anyone uh, really what I personally was dealing with, be, uh, not just because I fully didn't understand it yet, but because uh, I didn't think they would understand what had happened because it was so foreign to a normalcy and that mm-hmm. um, it was going to be impossible to uh, translate uh, that experience if someone hasn't experienced it before. Uh, and, and, you can't. Yeah. And yeah, at, you can't. And at the end of the time, we both uh, and everyone in this situation uh, really still doesn't know what they have dealt with. So it's hard to put into words until like uh, now, like a, uh, like, a, like a full year. Like when were you able to put it sure. fully into words to someone? You you can't and, and and again you know I like I said I had a boyfriend at fifteen I'm like oh you know la 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 you break up you move on it hurts you move on I couldn't move forward I couldn't move forward because the relationship was a lie it was a mirage it was fake and none of it he they are the master at manipulation. Uh, everything they are it is uh, you're right it's like uh, it's like walking down the street and seeing an alien fall out of the sky it is something that you you never want to experience i've never experienced it in my life and i'm a business person i have never in my life been exposed to the, the the depth of cruelty in manipulation, it is beyond me. And that's why I made it a point to say, screw this, I need to read, are they born this way? Are they, is it trauma? Like, I had to find out what makes a person be able to do what they do and, and, and move forward. And it's funny, because this is how I think of it. You think of a crowd of people at a stage, and a famous person is singing on stage. What they will do to get through the crowd, they will stab, kill, push, stomp. They'll do anything they can to work their way right up to the front. And once they're there, they're there. They won't look back and be like, oh, my God, look what I did. They don't, they don't see it. They do what they need to do to get to where they need to be. And it doesn't matter how they get there because they don't look back and see what they did is wrong. But he doesn't think, he told me, you're the devil. He called me the devil. The woman who bought him clothes, who gave him a massage every night for an hour because his joints hurt from playing football, he would get breakfast in bed. I'm an idiot. That's what I would say. I'm an idiot. No, you know what? I am a loving, caring person who loved and cared the wrong person, and I didn't know it. 
I didn't know it. I didn't. And, and, and to survive, you have to feel, for anybody who is listening to this, it is, the, it is pain beyond pain. But you know what? If you can't manage it, get help. If you have insurance, find about your insurance. If it pays for therapy, get an antidepressant. If you can't talk to family, there are so many walking wounded. I was walking wounded, and I didn't look it with my expensive clothes and my expensive handbag, and I would walk down the street and, and, and be on the verge of tears. And you have got, you have to get help. You have to. I mean, as you can hear, I get emotional because I did it. I walked in it, and I don't know how I got through it. I don't. I don't. I clawed my way. I, I would, you know, people say, oh, time heals. Time couldn't go by fast enough for me. If I could stay in bed and sleep for a year and wake up, all I wanted was all of that to be taken out of my brain because it was too much for me. At a certain, it was too much. At a certain point, did you feel, because uh, now you're moving away, at a certain point, did you feel that being where you are, what city you're living in, was constantly re-triggering you? Or, uh, oh, yeah. So at what point did, yeah. uh, where did you say to yourself, uh, I can't live here anymore to, if I want, well, if I want to get Yeah, it's, it, this was a business opportunity. This is a job opportunity. So the key, and this is very important, you can't run away from them. So taking a job, relocating, going away, that is, is only temporary because it's, they're in you. They're in your blood. They're in your muscles. They're in your, your, your heart. They're, they're in your joints. They're in your hair. They're in you. They're, they just, they've permeate, permeated your entire being. Um, this was freedom for me. It was freedom. This opportunity came my way as, a, as, as not me searching for it. It, it. it happened. It happened. If it didn't happen, um, would you have tried to uh, look for something out of town, or would you still have uh, stayed in No. Europe? No, I didn't. Didn't. No, I didn't. I was here in the city, and I would just pray to God every day that I didn't run into him. That's a horrible you feeling. Know, That's a horrible feeling to have. It's a horrible, 25 years ago, I was in New York City working, and I was holding my handbag, and I had a box, and I was waiting for a ride. I was married at the time, and there was a couple of guys coming up the street. This was on 7th Avenue in New York City in the Garment District, which is down near Madison Square Garden, if anybody knows where that is. And I looked to my left, I looked to my right, and when I looked to the right, these guys purposely ran into me to throw me off guard to try to take my bag. But what happened was I had, I had gone against the wall and dropped the box. And of course my toilet mouth, I'm like, what the F? And these guys just looked at me and then they moved on and a woman stopped and she helped me. She goes, you know what they were trying to do? And I'm like, yeah, they were trying to take my bag. My husband at the time then pulls up, I get in the car and I burst into tears. The next day when I came into the city, and a few weeks after that, I felt vulnerable and exposed. And I would look around like, oh, my God, you know, what, who's that? 
this is how I felt. I hadn't felt that way in 25 years. And every time I walked out the door, I thought, I'm going to see this man, because that's how traumatic it is. No, it's that traumatic. I, somebody tried to, to smug me, take my bag, and this was no different. Somebody took everything from me and then left me, left me on the side of the road, basically, to just, yeah, that's what he did. So um, what are, I guess, as far as what you're working on and how uh, to get better, uh, or not get better, but to uh, maybe have the PTSD subside, is there anything that you and your therapist are, uh, work on specifically, or is it just uh, talking out uh, in time? It's, it's talking. You know, and, and I, am, I am lucky because I have health insurance. A lot of people don't. Um, people who don't have insurance, you've got to get help, whether it's a hotline, um, try to do some research. There are places that have um, mental health that is on a sliding scale. You know, if you make $300 a week, you pay $30 to go and talk to someone. Go to a clinic. You have to get help. Well, I, I, like, the to, I, like, to, I like to send, if people don't have any money, if you need a resource, whatever your city you're in, you're in, usually there's a YWCA somewhere, especially for women. Something. Uh, to, Something. Give them, to give them a call. And yeah. the, the YWCA, uh, if they don't have any programs uh, for you there, at least they can try and get a hold of uh, programmed uh, or, or someplace in the city you live in or maybe just outside the city that can, that can help uh, women out. Correct. You, you, Edmund, it's, it, it yes. happens to both. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't alienate anyone, boy. These people are, you know, men, women, they're out there. Oh, yeah, we've, um, we've had men, women, all races, uh, you know, yes. different countries. Uh, sure. So far on this show, we've had everybody, all different socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it, it is a, um, yeah. Yeah, we, they take everybody. It doesn't matter. I think because I had health insurance, I was able to find a therapist. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all about him. It was other things. But it was, it was that. It was, it was, how do I get through this? And I'm looking at this doctor. I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? It's, it's trauma. It's like me going there saying, oh, my God, I was walking down the street, and a guy came up and hit me with a pipe and stole my purse. I mean, it's, it, you become, you're violated. You become violated. And as extreme as that sounds, or you're like, oh, you're exaggerating. No, I was in a relationship with a man who said we were going to get married, who was funny and amazing and brilliant. And we shared the same things. We were close to the same age. Um, we would just like say stuff and it was hysterical, blah, 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 blah. It was, they become the people they're with. It's almost like a chameleon. And it's, it's, they gain your trust. They gain everything. And it just, well, at at, at the beginning, at at the beginning, they observe you. Uh, a sociopath yes. will. They'll observe you. And unlike uh, narcissists, where narcissists will probably will mainly talk about themselves, unless they're like a covert narcissist, but sociopaths will mainly observe you, figure out, yep. figure out what they're looking at, psychologically break down 
uh, how yep. they think they need to, to earn or build your trust right away. They, they watch and yep. they observe. And once they know that, they do the thing they need to do to get that. And once that happens, you're, you're hooked. And then, That's right. And then they take on your roles, things you like. In a way, they are not them. They are just a character they're playing. And then, then it's pulled. Yeah. It's, and it's funny because it, you, it, it wells up. It's, believe me, it just it comes out of nowhere. I, I, like I said, I, it was the first thing in the morning and the last thing at night, and I didn't want to think about them anymore. I didn't. I didn't, and I didn't want to feel that way. It's bigger than you need help to navigate it. And again, for anyone without insurance, do research. Call a hospital, a mental health. Try to find someone. If you cannot talk to your family... You have to talk to someone because there are so many people that contemplate suicide. And there are so many poor souls who did over somebody who didn't care about us. And every person before me was me. And every person after me, whoever he's with, they're unlovable. You cannot love them because they can't love you and they can't love themselves. And everyone has a different um, threshold. It could be two years, five years. He could have women on the string for 10 years, as far as I know. I don't know, and it doesn't matter. But the key is you have to wash yourself of them, whether it's blocking them. Social media is the worst for people because you can very easily see what they're up to. I don't look. I have not looked at his social media since we split up. I refuse to because it's all bullshit. And it would only enrage me to this day if I look at it. I'm like, this guy's a bullshitter. It's, it's, you, you, that's, you have to get through it by cleansing your life. You have to tailor your life. I put mine, on, blo- I put mine on block uh, permanently. Uh, That's it. Uh, I did that so I just wouldn't uh, be curious. And then also friends that weren't my friends that were the narcissist friends, uh, I then put them on block. So again, I wouldn't be curious or and nothing of that person would pop up in any sort of feed uh, that I'd have That's uh, right. as well. That's right. So as we wind yeah, uh, you- down here, I, uh, I really want to have a follow-up episode with you maybe like a few months or a couple months after... Uh, you you do your move to see uh, how it, that has all affected uh, you, and if, the, if if certain things have changed, or your uh, you know if having not having the constant worry has uh, helped your process of uh, healing and new things that you've learned. Would you be open to doing something like that? Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. I absolutely would because I think that if anything, and as odd as this sounds. I live through it. I know there are people that won't. And I know that people are suffering. If I can share the, the horrible, bloody, all of it, the, the carnage of what I went through, if I can share that and help somebody or at least realign thinking, because I, I will fall too. I will fall. Um, and I did fall. Not now. It's different. But I got it out of my system. But if I can 
share what I went through. And if I help one person, then I'm okay with that because I made it through. Mm -hmm. I almost didn't. And I think that if I can share my story to help someone, if they listen to this right now and be like, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make it. If I help someone, it makes it worth it for me because, as I said, I I didn't make it. Mm Well, I almost didn't. As uh, uh, the, this actual one person uh, that I love, his name is Bob Forrest. He was an, uh, an ex-addict um, who's become a, a drug counselor. His, he had a great line in, in his documentary where it said, uh, if uh, your experience is worse, it was worth nothing if you don't share it. And, That's uh, right. And today I really want to thank you for uh, sharing your story um, you, you're brave, you're standing in the face of it. And hopefully, uh, for everyone listening out there who's going through the same thing, a very traumatic experience, uh, that you've empowered them to do something about their situation and, uh, to, uh, take the steps to uh, heal. And I just want to thank you once again, uh, for being part of our show. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And again, to anybody out there, if you can't talk to family, or friends, you have to seek professional help. This is bigger than we are. You can't do this on your own. Try to get help. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. And to everyone out there, uh, have a good night. And that was my conversation with Elizabeth. And I actually uh, texted with Elizabeth today. Uh, just to see how she's doing. And I got an update. You know, things are going well. And her life in Nantucket is pretty good. And maybe in a couple months, we're, we'll have her back on the show uh, to see where she is in her healing process. Uh, but uh, I just want to thank Elizabeth once again for being on the show and for being uh, such a brave person and uh, going through this uh, with us and sharing it, uh, sharing it on her show. So thank you once again, Elizabeth. And to everyone else out there, uh, if you know someone going through this type of uh, relationship breakup with a, a narcissist or someone that has these traits, uh, tell them to listen to our show. If you like our show, uh, subscribe to our show. Give us five-star reviews uh, and actually physically review it. It helps us out a lot. It gets our, the word out on the show. gets us up those rankings on iTunes, Stitcher, all of those things. I'll also post like uh, a subreddit with this uh, this episode on there. So if people want to discuss it, you can go on there and discuss it. That's at reddit.com and just look up narcissist apocalypse. That's our subreddit and you will find it on there. I'll have it posted, uh, uh, by the time the show get, get comes out and what else, what else is on my agenda? Nothing that I can think of right now. Um, Oh, one last thing, uh, for the episode I put out the other day with, uh, Helen, who was the lawyer. I just thought it was a fantastic episode and we got fantastic uh, feedback on it uh, so far. And she wanted everyone to know if you listen to it, listen to it in conjunction with the episode with uh, Shireen Picar, who was the uh, therapist that we had on the show. Uh, and because Helen had nothing but glowing things to say about Shireen. Um, and now I think that is it. Um, that uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. That's it. So thank you for everyone that showed up uh, to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast today and have a good night. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. 
This is not a test. Please remain calm.